0: Hi, I'm Tony Karen Brown.
1: And I'm Benedict Evans.
0: And this week we decided to talk all things acquisition as the FTC is gearing up for a busy few weeks ahead of it.
1: Yeah, well, we have the FTC has confirmed it's suing to try and stop Microsoft from buying Activision for $60 or $70 billion. It's also in court over its attempt to stop Meta from buying within, which I think we've talked about before. Um, the yep. EU and the UK are already investigating the Activision deal. Um, and meanwhile, the FTC also has a case um, trying to unwind the acquisition of Instagram and WhatsApp from now almost a decade ago, which is kind of hilarious. And so there's a bunch of interesting threads to pull on here.
0: Yeah. And I guess the big key thing for me is like, how are, how does the Microsoft Activision case versus the meta within case, how are they similar? How are they different? How should we be looking at them? And Yeah. How do we well, pull so, these apart to make sense
1: of them? So, sort of different levels of different levels of abstraction. So, one building block to think about is that the sort of newish head of the FTC, Lena Khan, became. Mm. Known built her career on writing an essay in a law journal, saying that U.S. Um, competition law had become far too focused on low consumer prices as the only objective, and that you know, other objectives like you know more consumer choice, more competition, more innovation, even if that didn't bring lower prices, um, should also be considered as an as an objective for competition. And she she used as a, her case study looking at Amazon, which is obviously has you know very really large market share in e-commerce. It's got sort of 40% of U.S. e-commerce, um, which is about 5% of U.S retail and um and yet has low prices and it uses market power such as it has to push prices down rather than push prices up and so this is his phrase sort of new Brandesian antitrust theory which is basically get away from just talking about low prices and look at the broader kind of question of the outcome you want in the market which frankly the rest of the world has is always, is always thought like that it was in kind of the us It got narrowly focused on price in the eu and the uk have always kind of looked at, like, at the broader kind of context of, of what outcomes we want and then there's also a narrative that the us in general it has become substantially less competitive and there's a whole bunch of industries where somehow or other um the government kind of allowed the industry to go from 10 or 20 people to two or three people and so people talk about things like the meatpacking industry where there's like two companies and that's not good Um, even if the prices are lower it's not good Um, and tech of course is visible and prominent and nobody likes google and nobody likes facebook and so that gets you to sort of that lens now being applied to m a which is kind of the bread and butter of part of the life cycle of the tech industry so that's sort of one building block, which is as a kind of a, just for kind of useful context as a sort of a broader context of thinking about acquisitions and competition law in the U.S. That's much more general than than what's going on in tech. So that's kind of one point. Um, the second point is, and I think it's kind of interesting to draw a contrast between within and Activision, mm-hmm. um, because or within indeed within an Instagram, because kind of the. There's a really interesting kind of theoretical sorry, implementation problem for competition regulator when big company buys something that's got 10 people and no revenue. Because um, this is an industry that changes really quickly and it's an industry in which the whole everything can kind of change out of all recognition in a period of sort of five to ten years time and so the amount of time that you would normally take to do the analysis and think about what's going and see what's going to happen is fine if you're doing it and doing this in like the supermarket business or the car business because it doesn't change out of recognition every five years but in the tech industry this relatively small acquisition of a relatively small company in what looks like a peripheral space might give you dominance in the whole new thing which is obviously what happened when facebook bought instagram and and bought whatsapp WhatsApp. and sort of famously the uk regulator looked at instagram and said well they don't have ads so that's not part of facebook's market market which was clearly like a very very myopic way of thinking about how the market worked but the problem with this is the alternative is 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 if you're not saying well what does the market look like now it's a guessing game and then you're kind of guessing as to what it might look like in five or ten years um and you're deliberately choosing to be speculative and i'm not using speculative as an insult or criticism it is a choice that you have decided you're going to speculate about what will happen in the future and so um That gets you to, for example, the UK CMA making Meta unwind its acquisition of Giphy, Mm. which I don't think anybody thinks is like a market in its own right. But they thought and I think I would argue that was sort of over rotation the other way. But now you have the FTC looking at Meta's acquisition of Within and they're saying, first, speculate that VR becomes a big thing. Second, speculate that VR Fitness becomes an important component to VR. Third, speculate that Within's VR product will give it dominance in this. Therefore, speculate that, like, this market's going to happen, Fitness will be a thing, Within will dominate this, and none of this will be, is anything that we can actually know for, like, three to five years' time. But we're going to do, we're going to sue now, because if we wait five to ten years' time, then it will be far too late.
0: Well, that's and that's the counterexample to that separate FTC case where they're trying to pull apart, obviously, as you're that's, saying, the Exactly. In, yeah, Instagram. But it's interesting because it, it's like all of it is like the potential of competition, which is fascinating.
1: Yeah, and of course, how do you what you know? In, in, how do you think about pricing in this model? Of course, there is pricing for advertisers. There is no pricing for consumers here. So, in that case, is you know, low consumer pricing really isn't a useful lens to use at all because uh, it's free. Of course, it's not free for. Um, um for advertisers i mean you also have these sort of i mean a part of this is you know the kind of the basis of of what are the kind of basic building blocks of competition what is market definition and so the people being sued will always try and draw the market as broadly as possible. And so, you know, if like if Ferrari was buying Lamborghini, then they would say, we compete with LBMH and we compete with luxury homes and we compete with Gulfstream and it's a vast market. And the competition authority would say, no, 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 you compete with two seat rear engined Italian sports cars, which would probably be the right definition. Yeah, let's get context. specific. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, the kind of counter would be, you know, particularly in tech, um, that it's back to my point about the speed of change, that like ocean lining ocean liners competed with other ocean liners, railways compete with railways, but they also kind of ocean liners also started competing with airliners. Or they can and railways compete with trucks and cars. But that only happens every 50 years. Whereas in tech, the new thing that's a completely different thing yet is your fundamental competitive threat happens like every ten years. And so the kind of classic thing is you know, Microsoft doesn't make mainframes. And, you know, when the PC starts happening in the early 80s and mainframes are only like 15 years old, you know, the kind of the canonical mainframe is the IBM System 360, which is launched in the mid 60s.
0: And it's interesting because this goes back to our conversation of every time we think that a new piece of technology is going to be used in a certain way, we realize actually we're so wrong. It's going to be used in a myriad of different ways, like, again, to the point of trying to imagine mm-hmm. what that future looks like. And so tie that to acquisitions and potential competition, it gets harder and harder, yeah.
1: Well, I suppose I suppose what I'm trying to get at is that the fundamental competitive threat comes from something that sits outside the market that's definition. It. That's really that's the it. point. And so the fundamental competitive threat to Microsoft was cloud and the web and Google, which is not a PC operating system. And the fundamental competitive, you know, like if Amazon would have tried to buy Shopify, for example, well, that's, that's a subscription software program such service that isn't a consumer facing brand so that doesn't sit in a conventional market definition of what amazon is and yet shopify is clearly one of amazon's biggest competitive questions and equally like vr is not social and the market basically doesn't exist yet there's like 5 million 10 million people actually using a device so it's 20 million people they've sold 20 million headsets there's 5 or 10 million people using them it's not a thing yet like not on any kind of scale um, and yet, at Facebook, Meta think this is the next smartphone and the next competitive landscape. So you've got to, you've got this kind of theoretical problem for a competition regulator about of speculating about how the world is going to change. Um, and yes, you can argue all day that you know it's insane for the FTC to try and kind of second guess what the markets going of look like. But the alternative is you wait to see whether Instagram becomes the dominant social network, but then it's like it's too late.
0: And then you try and untangle it ten years later.
1: Yeah. So that's that's sort of the interesting sort of puzzle around. I mean, I think within is kind of a test case to try and push the, um, you know, really kind of move the flag post, move the goal much further over. Um, You know, it's a very aggressive case. Um, I think the um, Activision case is actually much less aggressive. This to me looks much more conventional. Um, Now, reading the kind of the lawyers writing about this, you know, apparently in the U.S. courts have been much more sceptical of vertical integration, okay, attempts to prevent vertical integration, which is kind of what this is. Um, and because it's not direct competition, it's rather it's taking a product away from your competitors, which is kind of ironic because, of course, Standard Oil was all about vertical co- vertical integration, like the original antitrust thing. Um, I mean, just to get, you know, sort of context, so um, Activision, it's like a 60, 70 billion dollar deal. Um, it Activision is sort of 40 percent. Um, so it's, acti- it's Activision Blizzard. Blizzard, yeah. So it's yeah. sort of 40 percent the Activision unit, which is mostly Call of Duty, I think, which has got like 120, 130 million monthly players. Um, so it is the big, um, the market leading first person shooter and then there's blizzard which is a bunch of other games and then there's king.com will king which is mobile games which is basically candy crush and a bunch of stuff like that which has got like 200 million players or something and microsoft meanwhile is xbox and are now xbox in the cloud so you can stream it into your browser and so there's a sort of an interesting like if you are microsoft why are you doing this kind of conversation um which is going to come at this from games so um you know, if you sort of step back and think well where is Microsoft so um they have lost the development environment completely nobody started a company to write Windows apps Windows 32 apps in like 20 years um, the development environment has moved to the cloud the cloud does not run Windows anymore um, doesn't run, no one's running Windows Windows SQL server no one's running no one's building their e-commerce app on Windows and he servers um, and then they lost and that happens from starts in like 1995 to 2000. And then then they lose the client. But they sell those more PCs because you get want to get online. And then they lose the client to smartphones. And there's now five billion smartphones and maybe seven or eight hundred million consumer PCs. And so they've lost the client. I mean, they have the they they have the legacy business and Office and Windows aren't going away anymore than mainframes are going away, but they no longer set the agenda in any form. And but this and then so what they did sort of in the last 10, 15 years is pivot to cloud. And so Azure is now um, sort of with AWS, but they're kind of the dominant cloud infra- cloud provider, but sort of generally further up the stack than AWS. AWS is mostly lower level building blocks. Azure is mostly higher level building blocks. Um, totally beat Google Cloud, mainly because of like knowing how to sell to enterprise and knowing how to build what enterprises have. And so everyone uses Teams, everyone uses Office 365, but more importantly, OpenAI runs on Azure. And so that's pivot one the other thing which i think is is kind of is kind of getting me to to why activision is there is this xbox business and this dates back to the 90s and the ideas that pcs would eat pc would eat games consoles which obviously didn't happen and also in a sense to the idea that the general purpose consumer computing thing was going to happen on the tv and the pc would remain a work thing which also didn't really happen and there was a moment like five or six years ago when Um, satya nadella was saying that xbox was sort of non-core and non-strategic and now that's like you're like they aren't gonna they can't do that many 60 billion dollar deals and so this is the 60 billion dollar deal you want to do and i think that's like really interesting like why that are not an enterprise big a really big enterprise software deal you know i mean there's an enterprise there's a microsoft where is microsoft in the enterprise conversation which is like What's the last like big app that Microsoft launched that and that that somebody sitting at a desk in a big company is using? And there's team, there is Teams. Obvious answer is Teams. But what's the productivity thing? And it's like, like Salesforce is Microsoft. You know, how many big cloud enterprise soft pieces of software are there that aren't microsoft and where is the microsoft one within that
0: and by the way when you talk about microsoft and teams we and we're talking about acquisitions we can't forget the acquisition of salesforce um, the acquisition of slack by salesforce as well yes which i think was basically yep. salesforce attempt no to try and be the yep. next version of teams
1: yeah it's salesforce's attempt to kind of i mean there's a whole Rabbit hole we can go down of what is Salesforce trying to do and why did they buy that and quit and yeah. how are they trying to try and try trying to sort of turn themselves into a kind of connective tissue for enterprise which is obviously what Teams is trying to do, um, but I suppose the point I'm getting at is like Microsoft has this sort of these legacy this legacy business of Windows and Office and they have Azure which is basically a thing that runs other people's software, and then they have, um, and then there's then there's Xbox, and. Obviously I'm, I'm grossly oversimplifying what Azure is and there's all sorts of interesting software in there, but like it's not Office, it's not Salesforce. It's not all of the things that people use every day.
0: It's games. It's still niche. It's still not mainstream. You know, I don't want to say it's not mainstream.
1: Yeah. yeah. So they've made this, they've made this decision to put 60 or $70 billion into expanding the Xbox business, which I think is, 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 is really interesting. Um, like if that was, if you was active, why that and not something in enterprise? It's an interesting conversation
0: is it correct also to say that the microsoft deal is a little bit more unique versus the meta deal in that you've got sony that is massively objecting the Mm. activision deal here from microsoft whereas in meta's case there's no is there anyone actually objecting meta's acquisition of within not really i don't i don't think so whereas the ftc here have sony that they can sort of lean on and go well look yeah
1: well, so I I look at the, the Activision as only thing. This is actually a much more straightforward, obvious kind of antitrust case because you're not trying to, you're not trying to guess the future. Yeah.
0: It's here. You're it's not trying
1: thing. to you're not speculating. There's not some, you know, new and radical theory of how competition should work. Um here is this big company. Can it do vertical integration with the potential to shut out competition, shut out for competition um to Sony and Nintendo? Um and you know, expand its it's expand its market position and so so kind of you know the kind of thumbnail sketch of the games market um games market is small sort of counterintuitive thing to say lots of money um but it is sort of something with say three or four hundred million people at most are playing something that a gamer would consider a game like a real game um there are sort of 170 180 million people who have an xbox or a um playstation 5 um there's a few tens of millions of people more have a nintendo switch there's sort of 70 80 million people on steam and so on and so on so you're going to throw these numbers around and you get to sort of three maybe 400 million people um who are playing those kinds of kind of hardcore intense like real game games then you have five billion people who have a smartphone Mm -hmm. and you have some number of those people who play smartphone games and not all of them you know it's like there's there's this number that gets repeated endlessly that says it's three. It's <laughs> three billion. Yeah. It's like, I have no idea where that number comes from or what it's based on. It's just it's something not. that people repeat because you Google and you get that number and you say, oh, that sounds like an a good number. I'll use number. that number. Yeah, I think it would be reasonable to think that maybe three billion people install apps. Like most people don't really install apps. And yes, it might be two or three million people. that. But then we're definitely talking about Candy Crush. And so there is this whole sort of narrative in the games industry which is you've got sort of deep narrow intense games which is kind of and then you've got broad shallow horizontal so there is um there's call of duty etc which is a couple of hundred million people and there's candy crush etc which is two or three billion people and so there's this whole question is there a the space in the middle which is roblox and minecraft and maybe fortnite although that seems to have disappeared now or mostly faded away like is that kind of a mid-core thing where um you don't have the super expensive production cost of a triple a game that which get you into this sort of vicious circle of you've spent all this money you've got to sell to the hardcore gamers it's got to be a certain kind of game can you break out of that and get to a billion people playing something that's more rich, graphically rich and engaging than candy crush but not as intense as call of duty and so there's that's this whole sort of thing about like does what is the games industry what kind of games industry are we talking about what does this mean um which is a bit like the difference between movies and tv shows it's like, you know, stretching the analogy, it's like, you know, go back to the 70s and movies were movies and TV shows were 20 minutes and they were mostly garbage. And I think Mike, Mike Ovitz had this sort of story that, like, you know, he was a TV agent and that was like, you know, a second class citizen in Hollywood. Like, you couldn't get a table at Morton's, you know, <laughs> TV actors were like real kind of second class, like, scum. Second
0: class citizens here.
1: And of course, clearly what, what's then happened in the last 10 years is all the good stuff is now on TV and TV and movies have become something else. And so this is a sort of, there's an analogy in there maybe of, of, of kind of what's happening to to games. So there's hence this question, like games have now become strategically interesting.
0: That's a good That's a good segue of just like why this is potentially a thing that everyone is looking at right now. I, I don't know if you've got an answer to this, but as mm. you were talking about, this and thinking about other acquisis- acquisitions, acquisition side that have happened recently. Did anyone have any issues with Amazon buying Twitch as a streaming platform? Was there any
1: pushback there? Interesting. So I have no memory of a lawsuit. Um, Same. I don't. So that was sort of, but that was a while ago, though, wasn't it? It was. Um, I think
0: so. I can't even remember. Um, it was pre 2019. I. Think. That
1: was 20. That was, was 2014. Yeah. So it was so long ago. And and so that's sort of part of the point here. That was in another world. So that's that's before the tech clash. It's before the shift in attitudes to competition.
0: And potentially streaming as well. Like yeah. do you think if Amazon was trying to buy Twitch today that people would oppose it and go, wait, hold on a minute, what are you trying to build here? Well. Who are you trying to compete
1: with? So so I think I think most people in Washington have never heard of Twitch.
0: That's fair, fair fair assessment.
1: (laughs) I mean, I think that's a layer you definitely have to apply to these kind of conversations is, you know, has AOC and Elizabeth Warren heard of this and do they think they can get a thousand retweets complaining about it?
0: Well, interestingly, AOC, remember during um, the last um, American election, she went on Twitch to do something, I can't remember what it was, with a bunch of other gamers and play some, what was it, the game? Uh, Among Us. um, Among Us. Yep. so she definitely what it is but it is interesting that layer of okay how many people there have actually you know open up twitch and stream anything probably I not. i think
1: it's i don't, don't think it's easy to construct a kind of a, pop, a kind of an argument that says oh my god this is a, so obviously anti-competitive whereas whereas within obviously you can construct that argument you're like if vr becomes a thing and fitness is a thing and meta owns the fitness part of it well then that would be that's a conversation yeah i mean it's, it's interesting i mean you know Amazon bought MGM and now that's getting um called in and they bought iRobot which prompted some absolutely hilariously kind of delusionally paranoid things about oh my god now Amazon is going to have a millimeter scale accurate model of your house and just think what they could do with that um now their advertising will be 10 times more targeted like do you really think Procter & Gamble Is going to change how they do their advertising based on that? Come on. Um, So, yeah, there's. I think part of what's going on here is tech companies saying we're going to carry on doing these deals. And you try, You just try and stop us. You're going to have, you know, we're not just going to stop doing these deals because you appointed a head of the FTC who says she doesn't want to let them let you do any deals. We're still going to do them.
0: And it gets harder and harder for them to try and make the case of why, you know, this acquisition shouldn't go forward um, and why it's anti-competitive. Um, If you're trying, to your point, imagine the future.
1: I mean, I think part of the challenge with the within case is like, if you can't do that, like, what can you do? Actually... Well, that's a good question actually to look at. Yeah because you know if you're just going you can't you know there's a sort of you know there's a sort of extremist case that says you can't make any acquisitions okay so something that didn't work and it's got three people and they've shut it down and they're looking for two million dollars for the ip you can't buy that like no come on like so what are we what is the theory for what you can can't buy um i mean part of the um which is not part of the narrative but sort of part of the conversation, which is not doesn't apply to within or activision is um so last year the ftc um did a study where they got google apple facebook amazon and microsoft to report every deal that they'd done from 2010 to 2019 um and there's like a threshold for what you have to notify which i'm, I'm going to get this wrong but it's like we say it's 50 million dollars so they said no you have to report everything from 1 million as well and so they and then they aggregated the data and they published this and i wrote about this on my, my website at the, my blog at the time this is like or October last year and the headline was that there were something like 600 deals which in the year of which like 400 were in the US which actually if you do the math is actually not that many per company per year and the vast majority of them were less than 10 people and less than 10 million dollars at which point that no that's that's an aqua hire that's this mm. didn't work i mean there's a sort of funny thing that i feel like it's like you, you wouldn't think you'd have to point it out but somehow you do which is if Google buys your company for $10 million, you had to say yes. It's not like they went to the stock exchange and bought all the stock and you found out about it the next day. When Google buys process. that company... No, no, it's not due process. When Google buys, if you buy a private company, the founder generally owns the, owns a majority oh, in of that, the but, stock. Okay, yeah. So it's not that Google bought you, it's that Google went to you and said, would you like, a, will you sell to us? And you said Yes. It's like it's like buying your house. It's not like you wake up in the morning and say, Oh, Google bought my house, so what do I do? No, no, no. They give, come to you and they ask. And so if the founder decides that they're gonna sell their company to Google for seven million dollars, in an environment in which um Tiger Global is leaving term sheets under un- every Tesla on the windscreen wiper of every Tesla parked in Hill Road, like the hottest funding environment in human history, and you took seven million dollars and of which you probably get to keep like one million after you paid off the investors so you probably weren't building a competitor were you or it hadn't worked um now all of that is kind of it's again this because this is obviously not the instagram or within or whatever you know these are things that hadn't worked but there is this whole narrative that like big tech companies buy and make thousands of acquisitions it's like well yeah, but look at what they were. They were the things that hadn't worked, and had no. Had, were, if they'd ever been an attempt to be a competitor, it hadn't worked. Or the founder wouldn't have sold it because if if the founder thought they could build a billion dollar company, why would they take ten million dollars from you? Um, so that's kind of a sort of rabbit hole.
0: No, but it's an important piece that I think if you're if you're not living in Silicon Valley and you're not part of this, you know, startup culture, you don't actually realize. Um, the founder's mentality of if you truly believe in a thing that you're gonna that you're building you're not gonna send it for 10 million even if that sounds like a big number you're gonna keep at it because you believe it's a multi-billion dollar company yeah
1: well this is like it's like the list of you know don't things you should never ever say in a vc in a pitch meeting i like, don't tell the vc you hope google buys you for 10 million bucks because uh, then they won't give you any money because <laughs> you know that's not how you that, that is not the mentality that builds a billion dollar company you know, if you were going to build something that was going to be a competitor to facebook you wouldn't take five million bucks because you would think be sitting there thinking no but uh, I'm gonna build a billion dollar company. So you would take you would take the money if it if it hadn't worked. I mean there's a there's a sort of a broader point here, which is just how many companies there are. Um, which is you know, the Silicon Valley, like the, the US tech industry in total, there's like three, maybe three and a half thousand companies founded every year. And so in that context, you know, fifty acquisitions a year is 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 actually a very small percentage of what's going on. And you know the same on the other side, it's a very small percentage of the exits. Um all of that is sort of that's kind of a a different conversation to, to within an Instagram.
0: But it's contextual because it sounds like from the outside, again, if you're not in Silicon Valley, it sounds like, oh my God, there's these acquisitions. Everyone is being acquired. The big tech companies are buying it. And you're like, no, there's 3,000 companies. Yeah, I mean, anymore. I had this
1: conversation with one of the UK's former chancellors, where he, he, he which won't which narrow it down very much, <laughs> deliberately, <laughs> in, in, in which he said something like, you know, you know there's this story, you know, there's is, is a point made by a European competition lawyer, which is, you know, there's been, you know, a thousand acquisitions by big tech companies in the last decade and none of them got blocked and the answer is yes but what were and so that and so now they well, we're going to block it we're blocking within we're blocking this we're blocking that it's like that thousand number is kind of a bullshit number until you ask yes but what is it a what is it as a percentage and b what were those companies and actually the number of really you know consequential acquisitions that change the nature of the industry is pretty small you know it's instagram what's that facebook is basically it's instagram and whatsapp Google, it's basically um, um, double-click, and um, um, you could argue Waze is an interesting case there. Right? And the Waze argument, of course, is, well, if, what, if, if, what if Apple had bought it? That might have made mapping more competitive. So that was an attempt to stop your competitor getting it. Um, there's also, I mean, I think the, the the other kind of important point here is, you know, Microsoft, sorry, um, Apple is making basically better chips than Intel or Qualcomm today. And it's doing that based on the acquisition of PA Semi, which was now a decade or so ago, fifteen years ago. And what would if the FTC had blocked that? Oh, interesting. Then basically they'd have gifted the continuing monopoly on semiconductors to duopoly to to, to Intel and Qualcomm. Um, so you have to be quite careful about the sort of you know acquisitions are anti-competitive very often what's happening is the acquisitions are being used in order to make yourself more competitive and to gain a competitive lever and to allow you to you know and, and to make the industry more competitive not less competitive um android as well that was yeah that would be the other thing you know android started as an acquisition it was like i don't know like a 50 million dollar acquisition or something in like whatever it was 2005 or something so before the iphone um and, you know, imagine a parallel universe in which, um, no, 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 Google, you've got dominance in search, you might extend that dominance to dominance of um, smartphone operating systems. Well, we obviously can't allow that to happen. So you're not allowed to be, you're not going to buy this, 50. This, you know, this 20 person, 50 million, however, many, however, however big it was, $50 million acquisition. uh, that's got an operating system that isn't actually in any shipping devices today because we're going to speculate that smartphones might be a thing and we're going to speculate that you might be able to extend your dominance to smartphones to smartphone operating systems and that would be bad. Yeah, and then Android wouldn't exist, and would that be bad? Uh, yeah, I think that would, probably wouldn't have been a great outcome. So there, are, no, none of this, of course, applies to um to the Activision deal because this is basically a mature industry, this is vertical integration, but it's just another of these sort of these points on the spectrum.
0: But it's all these points of worth thinking about how all of this pans out. Um, as we were talking mm. also, and just because we mentioned um, I brought up Slack and Salesforce, and I hadn't realized this that Stuart Butterfield, who joined obviously the company as the CEO of hmm. slack and obviously joined salesforce i hadn't realized that he's leaving
1: yeah yeah he just he's quit this week interesting um, this is yeah hence i think I, I replied to him can i be the hundredth person to ask you what the new games company is because <laughs> <laughs> this, this was the story was because he before he did slack he did did Flickr. yeah and um the story of Flickr was they were building a game and they need an asset it. management tool and they built Flickr and Flickr turned out to be the thing and then he started started to do another game and they needed a collaboration tool and the collaboration tool became slack and the game never happened but the collaboration tool became quite a big thing hence you know mark andreessen's joke is we invest in all the stewart's games companies as i said that is now a very old joke um but yeah um meanwhile slack have a complaint against microsoft teams which is a classic bundling story so that's not an m a story but it is teams it is microsoft but bund- it's Microsoft bundling teams. The irony of course is that they'd also be suing Google, except Google hasn't got it together to do anything like that. Um, I mean, there's teams, and ha- there's teams and hangouts and hangouts teams and teams hangouts and allo and meet and meet teams and Google chat. And it's like it, it, it's like GPT-3 for Google messaging strategy.
0: Well, it's interesting because the, all the other big story this week, and, and I think we should probably close out here, but the other interesting stories this week was just how Google, is Google missing the boat on the next wave of search and how Google is looking at all of the hype around chat GPT. And I'm like, oh, is that going to be a potential next wave of anti-competitiveness that we're going to start seeing? Oh,
1: yeah. Well, this is, I mean, there's a general point here. which is you know, Yeah, generals fighting the last battle. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you could make a similar point about the App Store which it's, you know, if Web3 ever actually does happen and does become a thing, then that will mm. profoundly challenge all sorts of assumptions about first of all, about like what the app store is and, you know, sort of, sort of proximate kind of problems more fundamentally if these things are all kind of run by DAOs on the one hand, who do you sue? And on the other hand, if they're all open and composable, then how do you construct a market definition and how do you claim that they're anti-competitive and you know, what happens if two DAOs merge? And I mean, there's all sorts of like intellectually interesting competition or problems if web three ever, ever actually was a thing in much, much more than web two. Um, but there's also, yes, I mean, it's back to the thing I said earlier. You know, the competitive threat in tech is generally not someone doing the same thing as you but better, or, or, or. or let me kind of qualify that. Each market sort of goes through an S curve, and there's like an early period where everyone's fighting it out to win. So this is like the t- the time when there were ten different PC productivity suites. You know, ten different wordpresses and ten different spreadsheets. At one point, Boeing was selling a spreadsheet just to give you an illustration of how wide open this market was. And then there's a period when like it's consolidated down and there's one or two players and the network effects and when winner takes all effects really kick in. And then it's too late and you can't break in with a slightly better version of the same product, which is why something like Path fails, for example. I mean, there's other things, about, but like it's too late to make a new thing that looks like Facebook now. And then the competitive threat is something that looks completely different. Mm. And as I was saying earlier, the point is, that the thing, new thing that looks completely different happens every five or 10 years, not every 50 years the way it does in other industries. And so now there's TikTok. And is TikTok competing? I mean, it's a classic market definition yeah. puzzle. Who is, is TikTok? TikTok competing, is TikTok competing with YouTube or Instagram? Instagram. And I, it still puzzles me. like Everyone always puts it on the chart with Instagram. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I think this is YouTube. That and the answer is kind of both uh market definition doesn't is a kind of a really challenging concept in a market that when all the natures of the markets are shifting and the competition is generally comes from changing the nature of the market rather than from breaking into the existing market to do something different um, which gets you to the kind of the within the within point again all of which it is, it's funny to, to say this but like we are kind of the hook for doing the podcast was to talk about attribution. Um, we haven't actually talked about Activision at all. But I don't think we we haven't even bothered to mention that Microsoft yesterday or last week tried to shoot the fox by saying, um, "Oh, well, we've done a ten-year deal with Nintendo and with Sony, saying we'll give them Call of Duty." And so this centerpiece of your court case, we've we've already just conceded that completely. Um, and the FTC said, "Yeah, no, no, we're still going to court." Um, but it, it's funny, it's like I don't I, I you know, I can't get excited at all about Activision or Call of Duty. Like this is this is not strategically interesting or important to me, except within the PC games, the PC game industry and games industry. It's a classic piece of you know two mature industry two two companies in mature industries merging to consolidate and you know, you know, do with God I have a really, really boring <laughs> this is not, it's a really boring conversation and none of the interesting antitrust conversations we've actually had actually apply to that. Because that's a very simple deal. It's, you know, it's a there's no speculation here. It's, you know, simple vertical integration.
0: But I think more than anything, like what, whether it was Mac, Microsoft, Activision, Meta, within, you name it, whether it's Slack, Salesforce, I think what's more interesting here is the border conversation about acquisitions in tech and how to look at them and how they, you know, how the FTC is going to try and look at them moving forward and, you know, the difference between the American market and the the way the europeans look at it which i think is interesting
1: exactly i mean there was another case recently which was um random penguin which insists that they call penguin random house but that's obviously the wrong name it should be random penguin random penguin trying to buy is it simon schuster yes um and again um the ftc was it with the ftc or the doj I also don't understand why some of these are the ftc and some of them in the doj i should know that but i, I can't be bothered um but anyway, the U.S. government stopped them doing that, and again, it was on this very, very narrow definition of market, which was just advances. And the interesting thing there was, and I, I may get this completely wrong, but as far as I could see, what was happening was the case, the case was based just on the market for advances for best-selling authors, and it seemed like actually that was a terrible argument and the proper argument was consolidation across the whole publishing industry but they didn't think they could make that case as strongly so they went with advances for authors and won and so the deal was blocked but it's like they probably got the right outcome for the wrong result for the wrong argument for the wrong reason whereas i think the important comparison here is um it was now almost eight years ago ten years ago is the ebooks case where um and so the story here was, this is now this is now a decade ago, the story here was that when that Amazon had the dominant eBooks platform in the form of the Kindle, and they were selling at cost or indeed below cost. And that made it extremely difficult for anybody else to build an ebooks, an ebook service. Um, there were a bunch of other reasons, including like owning the, the device. But that was like a real kind of killer problem. And so when Microsoft when Apple launches eBooks, iBooks on the iPad, they shift to what's called the agency model, which basically means the publishers choose the price on which their book will get sold. And the DOJ constructed a case that said Microsoft got the five publishers together Sorry, Apple got the five publishers together as a cartel to fix book prices and right. the publishers said no we didn't and you know speaking to all the publishers over dinner it's like this is, this is complete nonsense and the DOJ's evidence was mostly like look these two publishing executives had lunch together like do, do you know anybody in the publishing business <laughs> They had a drink together, like the entire industry runs on wine and cheat food and, and so the entire and industry could be
0: fit into one restaurant. It's a tight ty- like it's yes. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yes. So so the case was bullshit. Um but the argument was that um you have constructed a cartel to push up ebooks prices. And everyone in the book industry said, who do you think the monopolist in this industry is? <laughs> And so the DOJ the, and the, the publishers all settled because their, their lawyers told them to settle. Microsoft, sorry, I keep saying Microsoft, Apple was enraged and fought it all the way through, not caring what it cost. And so didn't, and refused to settle because they were sure they were right. And they were just morally outraged by the whole thing and lost. Um, but the outcome, of course, the publishers and Apple were absolutely right because what happened was the agency model ends and Amazon goes back to selling at a loss. And guess how much competition there is in the market for ebooks. I' like, say so the DOJ basically goes to court in order to protect the position of a monopolist. Now that was actually what happened. What they said they were or thought they were doing was protecting low consumer prices, which was also what was happening, but the low consumer prices were a consequence of Amazon's monopoly, and that was what Amazon was doing to protect its monopoly in ebooks. And so it's really interesting now to look at that shift and think, well, how would the FTC or the DOJ approach that kind of conversation today, now that they've moved on from the idea that low consumer prices are the only objective, which is probably a good place to end at 40 it. It is.
0: I like it because it's a good reminder of all the different all of the, the different um, potential acquisitions mm. and acquisition conversations that we've had over the year and how they evolve. This was great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, Talk to you chat. soon. Bye. Cheers.